Welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. Today, I have a special guest, Ruth Cambargo, and she is a wife and mother to four. She has over a decade of experience as an early childhood educator, and she has a heart for the unborn and has been a sidewalk advocate for life. She and her husband, Pedro, lead a children's ministry called Torah Heroes in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She enjoys connecting with other women and sharing in all areas of beauty. She is passionate about encouraging others in to walk in their true purpose and identity in Messiah. So thank you, Ruth, for being here today, and I appreciate your time with us. Thank you for having me, sister. Thank you, Stephanie. So... Tell us a little bit more about yourself, because you've given me a lot of information as we've talked and we've had phone calls and we've we've talked prior to recording this and you're involved in little different things. So why don't don't you tell us more about that? Yes, I definitely wear many hats, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um, I like to introduce myself as, uh, you know, a homemaker, a wife, a homeschool mother, but um, of course, a daughter of the most high. That is my favorite position to, to, to hold right now. But uh, a little bit of my background, I grew up in a Christian Pentecostal church. My parents were pastors. And so I grew up in Arizona, mostly, most of my life was in Arizona, but they were pastoring a church in Nevada. I remember in Needles, you know, growing up young and just watching my parents really give so much of themselves for the ministry. And it really, it grew a, a love for me, uh, in me you know, and um, there were seasons in my life um, as I got older, right? Because being a pastor's kids, you have so much social pressures on you, right? Mm -hmm. Church, even church pressures, like it's all about the appearances. And I feel, you know, if you're a pastor's kid, you know what that feels like, right? You got to look a certain way, dress a certain way. You know, you got to not just talk the talk, walk the walk. I remember just it being... Not not hard, but just um, uncomfortable sometimes, I guess. Because, you know, I, I was a kid growing up. I wanted to be a kid. There was times where, like, I don't want all the church responsibilities. You know, I just want to go play. <laughs> but I love that my parents instilled the gospel, you know, and they, they, they disciplined us at a young age to be at worship services, to be consecrated, the, the important of consecrations, right, and having that relationship with the Father. Um, I have nothing but love, you know, um, from the people I, there, there was mentors and there was people that came into my life, right. especially, you know, when you go through middle school, high school years where you're like, okay, I don't really know who I am. You're trying to discover, you know, how the father sees you. Because like I said, for a long time, I wore almost like this, this mask and not that I, that I faked it, but I do feel like there was instances where I did have to pretend, you know, to be something that I didn't always feel I was, or, um, you know, to be perfect, to be little miss perfect. And, but there was times, you know, like we all go through where I just felt completely broken. I'm like, I don't know who I am. And so I asked that question a lot, uh, growing up. And actually one of the reasons why I feel I kind of, not that I lost my way, but took my, my sight off the father was experiencing, um, at, um, Okay, I, I want to be sensitive with this because I don't want to trigger anyone. But um, I was one of those me too's, you know, you see on social media where you were uh, physically 
um, molested. I was touched by family members and even church members in the church. And uh, this is something that I feel like is not talked a lot in the church. Um, you know, it's very taboo. And so I carried those 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 feelings of almost being unworthy, right, unclean, and unfavored in the sight of the Father. Like, mm. I'm just... And the enemy comes, right? He tries to make you feel less than, you know, that you're, you can't be, you know, or mm. you can't be a daughter. He, he tries to take that identity for you. Like, this is who you are when, when it's, it's lies. And so it took me time to really heal. And um, I think I was 15 when I finally chose to be baptized. You know, we, um, we would baptize in the name of Jesus and in our denomination so I made that commitment and I wanted to give all that brokenness to him. You know, Father, I, I want to attach myself to you. I want to establish myself in you. And um, because like I said, I guess growing up, it was more just doing what you're told, right? I learning to, to, to be obedient just because it, it was expected of you. And I didn't really want to let my, my, my parents down either. So I didn't, I wanted to be accepted, right? in the church and at school I remember growing up being bullied calling being called the church girl so that also put a ton (laughs) right of weight on me and um but yeah because Pentecostal you know we uh, we were we we believed in modesty so you know we wore skirts we weren't able to cut our hair or uh, um wear makeup and a lot of the oh sis this is where I don't know if I should share because I don't want to trigger anyone you know, but, um, or offend anyone But um, so there were doctrinal points that we kept in the apostolic church because it's a domination. And, um, I really want to share this enough because I didn't understand, you know, I'm like, why do we have to be a certain way? Like, what does the word actually say? So there was always in the back of my mind, those questions, right? Like, does this, is this really what the father says that we can't? you know, how to, and that's what I mean. Like the identity was always like in question, like, how am I supposed to walk this out? How do I look, you know, what am I supposed to look like as a believer? And, um, because, you know, you see the different groups out there and you go to school and it's like, I don't know, I just wanted to fit in. So there were seasons where I rebelled too. And I'm just like, I'm gonna sneak on my jeans. I'm gonna, you know, I cut my hair, started to wear makeup and I felt no condemnation, you know, I, I'm sure my heart probably wasn't in the right place <laughs> and I was doing it. I know now, right. I was doing it just to get back at my parents. You know, I do want to honor them and thank them for instilling me, instilling the gospel, right. And establishing that foundation of, of who my father is and who I can go to when I'm in those seasons, right. Of trial and hurt. So yeah, I have, I have some, some memories that are, are harder, right. And aren't always the fondest but I definitely do have memories of like we, we would have youth nights youth lock-ins where at a young age I I believe in the apostolic giftings where you do want to um just I believe in the Holy Spirit and the operation uh, operating gifts of the Holy Spirit so um but yeah at a young age I received uh the, I believe the Holy Spirit and um go to kids camp and you know it was a week of just worship services and just 
socializing with other other kids and that, those were some of my greatest memories there was always someone who would step in because even there even amongst believers like kids are mean kids are mean I mean I was a early child educator and you see it you know I almost went into a public school system but my heart was always to homeschool and and so even in a Christian kids camp says I would get made fun of I remember like one of the first nights I was we were sleeping and I was getting made fun of for snoring or something. And I was just like crying. I was like 12, okay, crying. And I remember just the youth counselor just coming and just hugging me. And, and she would give me cash. She's like, go to the snack bar and go get a chocolate, you know, go feel better. And she would pray with me. And so I remember in those seasons that I, I struggled and I was just like, I, I'm lost. Like I need, I need to feel loved because I did. I felt alone a lot of the times, you know, even in the growing up with all these pastors and leaders and, you know, spiritual mentors, there was people that would step in and kind of just, they would remind me who I was. So I'm grateful for them. Right. Super grateful for those. That's a beautiful story. And I, I certainly can relate on some levels because um, just recently, well, probably a year or two ago, we, we left the church we were in and we felt the Lord calling us to a digital different church but we didn't know exactly which church that was we just knew we were supposed to move and um so we went to a pentecostal church that was very close mm -hmm. and um and now i wear makeup i cut my hair i you know i wore pants <laughs> and, and i walked in and i remember just feeling like oh i probably don't fit in here because the pastor's wife and the other women of the church mm -hmm. who were obviously in some type of leadership or you know, married to the elders of the church or something, um, very distinct in what they wore and how they presented themselves. And I just remember thinking, I'm not gonna, this is, I can't, I don't think I can fit in here. And it was a weird feeling though. It was, um, kind of awkward because it was also in, mm -hmm. in this is again, this is just me and my preferences, but it was very much King James only. And I'm certainly not, I have a variety of Bibles and translations that I study from. So, you know, there is that, you know, different denominations come across just like you wouldn't expect maybe somebody who grew up Baptist to go to a charismatic church. You know, it's, they're very different. They're, there's different doctrine, there's different gifting so to speak but so yeah I certainly understand that and I think that then mm. growing up our identity is so important but but in those middle years those middle grade years we we just struggle you know you just so struggle with who you are do I even belong on this earth I mean I I remember having some of those struggles and and so I certainly can can understand that so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You said here was, I don't know who I am. And, and I think that there are still so many people who still ask that or who still say that to wow. somebody, you know, whether they say it to themselves, whether they say it to the Lord, whether they say it to their husbands or spouse or whomever. I think it's such a common question mm -hmm. or statement. Who am I? Yes. Why am I here? Yes. And I think I even remember remember sharing you know I think the father allows us to go through these things to wrestle with some things to remind us of who we are so it's just a matter of looking to him right and, and attaching ourselves to him and that's when my life completely shifted 
So I see that on your, um, some of the things that you like to do, you say that you um, love studying Hebrew. So how did you get into all of that? Where did that start and begin in your life? When my husband came to Torah, because he came first, right? He was introduced uh, to it by a a friend that had given him a book written by Lou White called Mm Fossilized Customs. At first, I was very kind of just standoffish, very observing, Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to honor my husband, you know, and if this is where he's going to be led, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be like a Ruth, right? (laughs) He's my Boaz and I'm just, um, you know, his God will be my God. And um, I remember even when we left our, our church, like I said, we grew up our whole life there. We were leaders. He was worried, you know, because like I said, this church felt very, well, the denomination felt kind of exclusive and like, are we going to be shunned or what? You know, we're going to be so rejected. We had to deal with that, right? Like, oh man, I don't know how people are going to respond to this. But the father was with us every step. Like the pastor um, at the time was just so um, loving about it. Very, very understanding. They even gave us a farewell. They did a farewell ceremony and especially during the service time. And so I just know that was the father's uh, hand there. So like I said, for me, it took me a couple of years to kind of, uh, once I had my firstborn, you know, I was a young mom. I was very much just absorbing it all, listening, you know, really unlearning. I was kind of, it was like we were students, you know, we became students of Torah and we were, had to learn some things and learn, you know, some new things. And, um, I remember, let's see, it was in 2019, not, not that long ago that again, I came into like this identity crisis. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know, yes, we were, we had already started, um, Torah heroes and we'll get into that in 2015, but that was all led by my husband. Okay. This is something that the father had planted in his heart. And again, I've always kind of, like I said, been behind the scenes, been like, I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to sit here <laughs> and watch things unfold. <laughs> it was not very, uh, taking in a very active role. Uh, you know, sadly, I wish I would have jumped on sooner, I but uh, it was hard for me to kind of process everything. I'm very, a deep, I'm, I'm a deep thinker. So it takes me time to kind of chew on things and sit in things, yes. and sit on things and absorb it all. But 2019 is when I was like, okay, oh, COVID happened, right? Uh, I had met Charlie, Charlie Brown from the Rudy Cafe. She had just started this discipleship group. She had been having studies on Torah, um, about the Torah par- portions for some, some times for a few years with a small group of women. And now, you know, she was going virtual because of COVID. And I was like, I want to be a part of that community. I want to, I, I want, because all the, even here locally, our congregations had shut down. Um, and so everything was online. Mm-hmm. So they shut down for a season. And I remember jumping on that um, community and it has been such a blessing. Uh, I remember hearing one of the classes taught by Brenda Stroth and she teaches on the energy of the alphabet, which is the Hebrew alphabet and how each letter carries a hidden message. There's an energy, right? And a, and a story almost within the story, right? And I just love, I, there's just something about it, about it that just captured my attention. And, and um, I was like, okay, it, it almost brought it, it only brought a deeper revelation of Messiah. And that's what this walk really did too. Once it started becoming real for me, real for me 
And since the beginning, I saw the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I wanted, you know, I know I wanted to understand this God because I grew up mm-hmm. believing, you know, we're kind of taught that, oh, he's this big God that is scary. And if you do something wrong, like you're going to, it's going to punish you and going to strike you down or like you're cursed or like it's almost in a negative light. And I had never right, right. heard like it was just so it was like the opposite now. He was this light, just this positive um message of of the father, a loving father. Yes, the people of Israel went through hard things, but you see his love, his redemption, his hand, you know, like the hidden messages. And the word just became alive to me. Once I joined the Rudy Cafe mm-hmm. and I and and they do another course about studying the blue letter Bible and going to the concordance, right? Going to the original text, the Hebrew. Because again, you know, we're taught from a great mindset and even the translations you mentioned, um, when they were created, no, they're created in Greek and um, the translations sometimes are not accurate. And so when you go back to the original Hebrew, there's just such a richness, a a deep deepness about it. And it's like peeling Mm -hmm. these layers. Right. And I just love that. And that's what inspired me to do my blogs, actually, just looking at. Yeah the words, the Hebrew words and their, their, the letter meanings. Mm -hmm. And the blog is called rooted in truth. Yes. And it's on the, the rooted cafe. Mm -hmm. And so that's the actual website. And so you could look up either rooted in truth or the rooted cafe and find you in the blog section. So that's really good. Cause I, I was probably very similar to that in that um, I love the Hebrew. I just loved digging deeper into the Hebrew language. And like you, I would say, well, you know, here's the word right in front of me translated into English as far as, but, but when you do the blue letter Bible is good. And there's also biblehub.com, which I like Bible hub mm-hmm. as well. But, but when you look at the transliteration of the word, you might see six to 10 different mm-hmm words uh, meanings and so and that's because we we talked about um i've talked about it before on this program but basically they had so few words so they would the words had many meanings so when you see like okay so it could mean this or it could mean this and these are very different and here the scholars took this word but yet i hear maybe a messianic jew say well this is actually the best way mm-hmm. to to translate this word in this context, you know? And so I'm like, well, how come we don't translate it that way Mm. then? Or how come we don't get that meaning or we don't get that full story, you know? And I started getting frustrated because I'm like, I've just felt like I don't, I'm not learning. I'm not getting the whole picture. And why am I not getting the whole picture? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know more. And so I started, like you said, I mean, I started looking on other sources that gave more of the picture mm-hmm. and explained more of the background and helped me understand the passages better. And that was huge for me. So I totally get where you're coming from. I want to go back to your your whole identity thing, because I think it's such an important topic and I had mentioned to you that one of the things I learned was because of Satan's fall 
And, and actually, I think even, you know, most, a lot of people call him Lucifer, they call him Satan, but neither one of those are really his name. Those are just titles kind of given in the Bible. So if you read the the King James version, they'll, they'll mention Lucifer, but it was because Lucifer actually means light and he was an angel of light, but his Satan, it's Hasatan, and that is more like the accuser. So when they refer to him, Satan is actually a very Hebrew word and we translate it as his, almost as his name, but it's actually, he's just the accuser. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I had heard was how, when he fell because of his pride, because of everything he did, God removed his name and God removed his identity. And, and I know that's not like I can't say this is in scripture and this is where you see it. But when we know that neither of these are his names, every other angels, we have Gabriel, we have Michael, we have names for these angels, but we don't have an actual name in scripture for the one we call Satan for this fallen angel. And I thought that that was interesting because since he really has no name, God doesn't make it unknown to us. He doesn't allow us to call him by a name. We call him basically the accuser. And how can he get to us if he was rejected by God and he was, his name was taken away or kept us, kept God kept us from knowing it, then how much better would he want to do that to us? You know, how much more would he want to do the very same thing to us. And we look at our world today, we see people with identity crisis, you know, mm-hmm. who am I? What am I? What's my sex? What's my gender? What's my, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused and and I think we can see this the fingers of the enemy in all of that. And I think though we have to have compassion because it is a very real spiritual situation that Satan has woven through our society. And it, it's been very effective. So tell us a little bit more, if you want, about your story and your identity, for lack of a better word, identity crisis. So. <laughs> yes, that, that's very good, sis. Actually, I it makes a lot of sense. And I guess... For me, it, and and you're right, it's like he's this harasser, right, who wants to put these thoughts, the lies, right? And there's that song, you know, that he's a liar or fear is a liar. For me, it was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear growing up since my childhood. I know a lot of things were being stemmed and uprooted in this walk, and I'm still healing, right? It's, it's a healing mm-hmm. journey. He brings a fullness, a completeness, and a shalom about it. And so I know when in 2019, you know, when COVID happened, and I like to say this is when my walk became real because I was in this place where I, I was I felt stuck, right? Um and I and I asked the father again, who am I? You know, show me who I am. And I had met a friend. Her name's Rosetta Ann Photography, and she does beautiful, lavish photo sessions. They're called Princess for a Day. She's a believer. She loves the Father. She has an enormous gifting, and like she strives for perfection when she creates 
they're, they're ideally photo sessions. She does everything from designing the gowns to hair, makeup, and, you know, given my background, right, I always saw beauty as something vain, right? Something that um, the father doesn't truly, I thought, you know, he didn't care about it. Um, I didn't think he cared about the outward things. I thought it was all, you know, mm. what was in the heart. And so when I met this this young woman, I, I met her online. She was hosting an event. She was putting on an event. It was called Fairy Tale uh, Tea the fairy tale tea event here in Albuquerque, New Mexico during COVID. <laughs> I'm like, wow, now I really want to meet this woman because there she's going out of her way. And I mean, she had interior decorators there. I even went to volunteer to help set up. It was a beautiful garden area outdoors. And um, she was giving, raffling off one of her sessions, a mini session. And I believe, I mean, believe me, I never win anything in my life. I feel like I never win anything when I go to events, but I won the session. And I thought, and that's when I really came to that, that place where I'm like, father, why do you want me to do this? Like, do I really need to do this? And I was getting all kinds of, like, I was asking for confirmation, right? Father, I was looking for the confirmation. And I felt like there was so much, um, like butting heads, like there was so much resistance. When I won the session, I was, as I was preparing the night before it was in November, the 29th and 2020. I remember asking the crying out to the father, like I was in the shower and, and I was just being like completely honest father. Like, I, I don't know who I am. Like you need to establish an identity with me. Like, how do you see me? Show me who I am. That was just my cry. That was my prayer. And I had a dream that same night that I, it looked like I was this bright shining image all around me. There was just darkness and I didn't see myself with a form or a figure it was just like this bright shining jewel and it was almost like zoomed out. Like, you know, when you look on Google and you see like, you know, the houses from a zoom, zoom out version. And, and that's how I, how, how I saw myself, not a physical form, but this bright light. So the father gave me a scripture and it was second Corinthians four, six. Mm-hmm. And it says for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made the light shine in our hearts. So we can know the glory of Elohim that is seen in the face of Yeshua. So after that, you know, I was getting my hair done. I was getting my makeup done. I put on my robes, right? I felt like, because even throughout this process before that, he was preparing me. And I was Mm -hmm. studying the book of Psalms and Ezekiel, right? Where the father talks about the bride. Us, we are the bride of Christ. And how he adorns us in his jewels. And he picks us up right from those broken places where we're covered in blood and we're dirty and we're, you know, we're, our clothes are torn. And he fixes it. He, he brings out the beauty. So that's kind of what I saw firsthand. You know, it was just very, very um, physical, a very physical experience that he had to take me through for me to, for me to get it. You know, I'm a very visual learner. And, and and that's what it took for me to really see myself the way he saw me. And, I, and I'll share our images with you. You can share. I didn't send you one of those. But sis, when you see it, you'll you'll understand. Because the message he had given me was the message of the bride. So even in my shoot, and I love Rosetta because she just captures the vision, the prophetic connection there. I, I had lanterns. I was representing um, even the colors like of my dress. I had ordered it online and I had a budget. You know, I had to get, um, I wanted to, it to represent uh, what the father had been doing in my heart. 
so he just, he really made a way for everything. And it was just a beautiful session and a beautiful time for me to discover who I really was in Messiah. Mm. You know, Psalm 45 says, it starts in 10, but in 13 as well, uh, to 13. He said, listen, daughter, think, pay attention, forget your own people in your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty, for he is your Lord, so honor him. Then the daughter of Tezor, the richest of people, will court your favor with gifts. Inside the palace, the king's daughter looks splendid, attired in checkerwork, embroidered with gold. And when you were talking about that, I was thinking about, I did a lesson on the high priest and they actually used gold thread in the high priest's garments and his robe and, and the stones that they used on the ephod were, I think somebody I read where they were two or two and a half carats big. I mean, they were, they were nice sized stones that they used here and and I thought, and, and what I had read was it said the garments of the priest, because he was arrayed in such beauty and richness of his gar- garment, God does not just look at the inside. This proves that he does look at the outside. He, he loved the way that his high priest looked so much that he designed his garment. Yes, he does care. He does care about the details. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like. I even received a vision about my dress. And like I used, as you were talking the, about the jewels, I wanted jewels mm-hmm. and on my chest. And it was a dress that it had, you know, like the shoulder pads. And then it released um, this flowy, beautiful material. And it was long. And Rosetta even designed my head piece. So I wanted it. And she had pearls and different jewels. And because that's one of her signature items or looks. Signature items. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to, you know, she includes a crown because she, she's passionate about identity. She, she, she has a powerful testimony too about her weight loss journey and how, um, yeah, we need to remember who we are and who, how the father has crowned us in his righteousness and glory. You know, he's redeemed us from the curse. And I heard, I heard one of your podcasts where you mentioned that. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we need to believe and walk and, and assert ourselves in that identity he's given us because mm-hmm. when we agree otherwise it's just like almost rejecting right mm-hmm. rejecting what he's called us to be and um, his plan and purpose that is his original plan and i was as i was studying the book of psalms right it's all focused on the garden in the beginning you know he had a plan for women for isha and i'm just so passionate about this topic because it's like if we only knew you know, the enemy, that's why you said the accuser, the one who attacks us is because he knows how powerful and mighty we are when we know, right. And we assert ourselves in our identity and Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, I just pray that everyone can find these treasures and mm-hmm. see it for them and experience it for themselves. And I think it's important, you know, there were times where I just said, Lord, how do you see me? Because I wanted it to know. And and I don't think it's a bad question. I don't think it's a question that we have to avoid with the Lord. You know, when we are in our quiet time with him and we're really pouring out our heart, 
say, Lord, I want to know how you feel about me. I know that you gave your son. There's no doubt. I know you loved me so much that you gave your son for me to die so I could have life. No doubt about that. I don't question that. But yet people get wrong impressions of us at time. People see us certain ways, even as if it's a first impression or maybe because they saw us in a bad situation. So that impression stays with them. You know, I was in a meeting where I was very, I I had a lot of hurt and what came out was not pretty, but yet there were people in that meeting that never, ever saw me differently than what they saw of me in that meeting. You know, even though the Lord had taken me through healing, I had basically prayed for forgiveness because I came across so, so angry, really, and And then I knew that other people there forgave me, but there were certain other people who would never see me any differently. And it was really difficult. And, and you think, I mean, we all have bad days. We all have pain and, and hurt people, hurt people, you know, that's what we do when we're hurt. So this one particular day, I was just asking the Lord, it's like, okay, how do you see me? And just like you, I mean, I had this Mine wasn't a dream, but it was an immediate picture in my mind of a picture I owned with me on my dad's lap at five years old. And it was my fifth birthday and my mom took a picture and I have a little crown on (laughs) and I have, you know, the little birthday paper crowns and and I had my little party dress on and he's holding me, you know, and and that was a picture that the Lord put in my mind. That was the picture. And he said, and I am your father. I hold you that same way. And it was so touching. And it still, it still gets to me because it was an amazing picture. It was an amazing experience, but it was so simple. He took what was already in my memory. He brought it to the front of my memory. And then he inserted himself to touch me. I think that anyone, you know, we can all ask the Lord a question like that. And, and I think that he is so kind and so compassionate that he'll answer because he wants us to be healed. We often kind of, this is one of my pet peeves. I have to say when people say, well, we were just, we were healed on the cross by his stripes. We are healed. Well, yes, we were healed in a certain way. We were healed eternally but but all of us still have wounds all of us still have parts of our heart that are hurting and that the lord still wants to heal those memories and i i always tell people it's like this matted Mm -hmm. jewelry box full of necklaces watches bracelets that all get matted and and kind of strung together and that's what our memories and our emotions look like they're totally all just work together. You can't pull one away without pulling another one. But what God is the king of, Jesus takes these and he separates Mm -hmm. them all. So now I can have these memories without the pain. He doesn't clear my, my past from my memory, but he separates it from the pain, from the hurt. And because of that, now those memories don't control me anymore. Now that pain doesn't control me anymore because Mm -hmm. he has separated them. And I think that's a, that's a total God thing. He can alone do that in a supernatural way. Obviously, I don't want to 
make it sound like I'm poo-pooing counseling and prayer and, and all of those things. It all comes about through different methods, but in the end, it's him that's, that's doing the healing. Yes. Yes. I agree. I know, um, you know, like I, I mentioned, it took me experiencing this and going through the book of Psalms a couple times. Cause I'm like, I read this, but I saw it differently, mm-hmm. right. With a Hebraic understanding, it just sat differently mm-hmm. and God revealed exactly what you said, his love, beauty and, and tenderness. And like you, like you were being held in your arms. It's like he was holding me and just showing me who he really was. And you know how he waits patiently for us in the garden. And that was another verse I wanted to bring up. And that's in Psalm 6, 1 through 3. And the hero, I hope I don't butcher it, but it's, um, right? I am my beloved. My beloved is mine. So like you said, it's, it's that mutual covenant and that partnership almost with the father that keeps us right it keeps us in that oneness in that state of oneness and you know and it's explained so beautifully in the book of psalms and Mm -hmm. the verse goes like this you know my lover has gone down to the garden to his oh wait sorry i wanted to go to one where has my lover gone this is where you know she's looking for her lover and the woman of rare beauty which what which way did he turn she says so we can help you find him you know she goes to her brothers right and and I remember, I think they said they've, they've te- taken me away from him, right? They've kept her preoccupied, it distracted her. And then there, it mentions the part about the little foxes, right? Sometimes we get caught up in the little things. When the father is right there in the garden, he's waiting for us. You know, my lo- they said, my lover has gone, this is verse two. My lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice beds, to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. And then it goes into the verse, I am my lover's and my, my lover is mine. And ividoli, ividoli, li. So it's like coming to that understanding that you do need that set us part time with him. You do need to go and meet with the maker and he's waiting for us in the garden. You know, it's just a matter of choosing to, to set a time that, that space for him. So very grateful Mm. for this journey and the walk he has had us on because it's, like I said, helped me just Mm -hmm. establish a deeper relationship with my father. Mm -hmm. And that's what Torah really is. It's, walking things out learning things not really fully understanding them but Mm -hmm. trusting the father while you walk through it so it's it's been a journey and still more to come it's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. yeah well thank you well you also have your ministry so if we switch (laughs) topics here but um you and your husband you i think you said that your husband had um started it and then you came on board with it but the uh torah heroes correct you want to talk a little bit about that yes oh and i wish i could bring my oldest in here to kind of share his story he did for the first time like a few weeks ago to a group of people but um it started uh yeah like you know i had had my firstborn you know we've been in torah since he was born he's 12 now and i remember he was maybe like four five or six a younger, a young age. And, um, he was really into superheroes. You know, he loved everything superheroes. He loved Spider-Man and, you know, my husband took him to watch all the Marvel movies, but now I'm just like, uh, the Greek gods, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we have a lot of discussions and now right for writer movies are different, but, um, yes, 
he he ended up drawing a superhero with a cape and he put a big large T on the on his chest and he called him Tora Boy. So my husband just caught on to that and he just melted his heart and he's like, we need to do something with the children. We need to continue to, you know, it's a privilege. Like I said, we what an honor that we get to teach these things. You know, one of the verses we use is um Psalms one thirteen. I don't want to get it wrong. Oh my gosh. Where we will teach um, the ancient ways to our younger generation, right? That's how the ministry started, just by my firstborn just kind of, you know, wanting to look up to a superhero too. And that's the Torah, you know? And now that's our logo. It's a little Torah scroll, like mm-hmm. stick figure. He's in his chest, it's a Torah scroll, and he's a little stick figure with a cape. So we kind of stuck with that first drawing as our logo. And um, How cute. we love to have workshops and really just build community. And, um, you know, at first it started with just our family. You know, we're going to do this for our family. We want to teach the children Torah how to not only learn, you know, hear, write Shema, but also do live it out and teach others. Now we we have done summer programs in the past like summer camps where our focus our theme this last year was spirit and truth you know is to teach the fullness and truth of torah and align ourselves with mm-hmm. the spirit right the ruach uh we have some other plans in the works abba willing you know we would like to start a, a podcast right now we're uh hosting youth events at our local congregation mm-hmm. so you know it's about families doing this together with with our families and the children also have a place and identity is is huge mm. to to build onto the younger generation especially now it is you're right identity is so important um i've seen like different little videos where you have these moms are have their little girls or the little boys in the mirror and they're they're you know maybe they're combing their hair brushing getting them ready for the day and they're like having these affirmations come out of their mouth and their child repeat these Mm -hmm. affirmations. I am loved. I am beautiful. Just so many different things that I I thought it was so precious. I thought it was just like, Oh my goodness. What if we all did that with our children? You know, what if we all spoke these kinds of affirmations and had them repeat them? And even part of Shabbat, I don't think we realized how different our families would be if we were praying scripture Mm -hmm. over our children every week, praying scripture over our husband, praying Psalm 31, 10 over our wives, you know, how different and how touching that is, but how different it would make our families in these ancient ways, as you said, of doing things that God ordained that if we as Christians, as believers in the Gentile church took on these things and didn't, didn't look at them as not for mm-hmm. us, but looked at them as a gift from God to build up our family, because that's what they are. You know, the first time I did it and I was, I was crying as I was trying to read these scriptures over my husband. And then my husband was you know, basically breaking down as he was trying to say these blessings over our son. And it was very 
emotional, but very tender, you know, that it was very special and it didn't feel Jewish. It felt, it felt godly. It just felt godly. And all I did is I just bought this little pamphlet of the prayers that are in scripture. They're all right there. There's nothing added to them. It's just reading them over each other. My husband and my son read Psalm. I keep saying Psalm, but Proverb 31 over me. We took turns reading our parts over each other. And it was just a beautiful thing. But but I, I think it's good. I think that I told my husband, I wish we had started this when our children were young and got into this habit of blessing our children and praying these blessings over them in scripture. I said, oh my goodness, can you imagine maybe how much different our family would be? We're not like really messed up or anything, but I can't imagine how different we might be, I guess, if we had done that. So so I appreciate that. I appreciate what you're doing there with the Torah mm-hmm. heroes. I think it's 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 a great thing. I think it's very needed. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, no, just like even what you shared, you know, in your story, Torah is all about uh, for us, you know, teaching obedience, righteousness, and holiness to the younger generation. But even as a reminder for us to hold us accountable, right, and be those spiritual mentors. The the ones to guard the identity of our children. That's what the word shamar means. Just as we guard the commandments, right? And we're teaching them this mm-hmm. learned discipline in honoring, like you were mentioning, the Shabbat and the holy feast days of the Father um, to instill that that character, right? And remind them that they're the Torah heroes. <laughs> you know, we call them our little heroes because they save us too. You know, we see the Father so much mm-hmm. through them because, you know, there's the mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven. That's what the word says, right? And no one will enter unless you're like a child. So in many ways, we have to become childlike with our faith and just really like just fall in love every day, every day with with Torah, with his word, with his truth, with who God is. Amen. Well, thank you. I appreciate all your time today and I appreciate your heart, just um, your transparency. I think, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing and I, I appreciate all that you've shared. Thank you. Thank you for having me again, sister. You're a special one. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. You can find me at www.graftedjewishroots.com. You can also find me on Twitter at GraftedJewishRT. I appreciate you being with me, and I'll see you next time.